Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. We've got a special show for you this week. A few weeks ago, Jeff and I spent the day out in Reading, talking to some of the AA Fightin' Phillies top prospects and people involved with the organization. And on this week's show, we're going to bring you four interviews. First, we're going to have an interview with catcher Austin Bozart. Then we'll bring you an interview with last year's eighth pick in the draft, Adam Hazley. We've got pitcher Connor Siebold. And then something a little bit different. We're going to talk to groundskeeper Dan Dirt Douglas about what it takes to keep the field in condition to play and get everything ready every day for you to see the game the way you want to see it played. Leading off, we've got Austin Bozart. So enjoy the interview. We're here with Reading Fightin's catcher, Austin Bozart. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. How are you? Uh, can't complain. So what's it like when you come to the ballpark on a rainy day like this? You're still here early. You have to prepare like it's any day, like you're going to play. What's the mentality of a baseball player on a day like today? You definitely just have to stay locked in until you hear anything otherwise because the second that you kind of like tune out and you're not ready to play is when you play a game and then you're not bringing your A game. So you just kind of stay locked in get all your prep work and do all the stuff you need to before the game and hopefully you play if not that happens you uh, are from a small town outside of st louis and, and grew up a cardinals fan what was that like to to grow up in that area is that where you got your affinity for baseball being close to the, so close to the stadium there definitely definitely we went to a lot of games when i was growing up as a kid and the cardinals did really well when i was growing up in my teens so it was awesome an awesome environment for baseball and st louis is a great baseball town so it was very cool to grow up and learn the game in st louis so instead of going straight to the majors you went to college <laughs> and, and unlike a, a lot of places you actually went to an ivy league school mm -hmm. so how'd you end up at penn <laughs> It's kind of an interesting story. So um, in high school, didn't really know how the system worked, didn't know how to go to college, didn't know how to get a scholarship, that kind of thing. Went to a couple workouts in front of college scouts, and I think I was up in Chicago playing at one point, and one of the coaches at Penn was out there and saw me, saw that I had a good grade point average and stuff like that, and ended up giving me a call, and it just kind of worked out, kind of fell in my lap in a way. What was it like to move to Philadelphia? Definitely a little bit of a culture shock for sure, but it was a very cool city to go to. Um, coming from St. Louis, very small, very spaced out. I definitely liked the, the big fields and all of that, mm -hmm. but it was cool to go to and get the, the vibe of a city and to be there for four years was a really great treat. All right, what's your favorite restaurant in Philadelphia? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I actually went to Ocean Prime with my now wife. Um, when I was in college, that was an awesome one. But um, Bobby's Burger Palace always holds a special heart, a special place in my heart because that was the where I went the night that I decided I was going to Penn. So I, I saw your coach say from Penn that he is maybe the best leader I've seen during my time coaching college baseball. One, what does it mean for you to hear that? And two, can you talk a little bit about leadership and what it means to you and how you go about being a leader? Well, first of all, it's an honor hearing that because he's seen a lot of great baseball players in his time. So to hear that, that's I'm very humbled because I, I work hard and I, I don't necessarily try to be a leader. I just go about my business and it sometimes happens. And that's honestly like to answer the second part of your question, I think that's the best way to go about it. You go and you get your business done 
you make sure your house is clean and you do things the right way and people end up following that and that's that's all i think you can do you can't try to press it you can't try to force it it just kind of happens naturally in the setting of a team and, and throughout the year you, you're married now. Um, I've seen you talk a lot about your family in the past. Mm -hmm. Once you said they're the sole reason you're able to show up at the ballpark every day and do what you love to do with very few worries off the field. Can you talk a little bit about the support system that you have as a player? We often, as fans or as media, see players on the field, and you don't realize everybody that's behind them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely you don't see that as a fan, which is something that I wish you could kind of express as a player to the fans that it's not just me out here it's me and my family my friends everyone who's supporting me um my wife she's awesome she's letting me do this <laughs> going around and she's not here with me so it's definitely harder especially since we just got married in october but my family able to uh foot some of the bills for us which is really nice and that i'm very blessed to be able to do what i'm doing and to have the family to support me and to tell me just keep going not not to worry about anything does it make it difficult when you when you have family and they're not here with you, not only to be someplace that might be far away, but to know that any day, if you get your wish, you're going to move to some other place. <laughs> you know, as you're moving up the minor league chain, today you're in Reading. Your goal is hopefully to be in Allentown. Mm -hmm. Luckily, that's not too far away. Yes. <laughs> and then to be in Philadelphia. Is, does that make it a little harder not knowing where you're going to be from week to week? Not necessarily. It's we've kind of gotten to the point where we understand that's how this works so you can't put any roots down in one single place in the minor leagues because you never know what's going to happen even in the major leagues you get traded other things happen so it, it's just you're along for the ride and you have a good time with it and um you we kind of have a home base back where i grew up and um, my wife and i live in kentucky now but uh it, it's definitely a fun ride but at the same time you can't make any grand plans during the season for sure Okay, so if, if you're now in Kentucky, were you a basketball fan? Uh, not particularly, no. no. Okay. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I definitely enjoy watching the game with my father-in-law. He's a big college basketball fan, so it, it's it's great to go watch some games with him. And to, March Madness is pretty big, so that, that's a lot of fun. Did you go to the Palestra when you were at Penn? Oh, yeah, I went yeah. a couple times. That was very cool when uh, they would play Villanova back when I was at Penn. Villanova was still pretty good back then, so it, it was a fun place to go. I just wish they would sometimes fix the air conditioning. <laughs> now when you were a kid did you also play hockey i did yeah I, I played i think i started when i was eight and played all the way up through high school until i was 18 so how, how did wh what position did you play i was a defenseman okay i so, wanted to be a goalie but i was a defenseman <laughs> well you're, you're kind of doing that in the yep. major league mm -hmm. i mean in the minor leagues right mm -hmm. now so did playing different sports help you or hurt i think it helped me tremendously i think that's the greatest thing that i could have done was to play a a sport other than baseball so I wasn't full uh, solely focused on baseball growing up uh, I saw a lot of kids growing up who would either get hurt or just get burned out with baseball playing year-round so I, I really appreciate that I was able to play multiple sports and just have fun in another aspect and kind of get my mind away from the game of baseball and play hockey which is pretty different than baseball so I thought it was one of the greatest things that could have happened to me well one of the things I've seen as as, as someone who's coached kids is mm -hmm. is that there seems to be this specialization in sports now that parents want to have their kid pick one sport mm -hmm. and play it and for baseball they play it year-round now even mm -hmm. even up north they have them playing inside 
you know, constantly doing winter workouts, things like that, and not participating in other sports. One of the things that we asked Tim Tebow, mm -hmm. who had a similar reaction to you, was that he thinks he benefited from playing multiple sports. Yep. So uh, if you were giving advice to parents with, with young kids, would you recommend that they play other sports? Not 100%, just, yes. You know. Play two, three sports, get your mind away from it. Let your body recover. If you're that young and you're getting injured because of playing a sport year-round, there's something wrong, in my opinion. So I think the healthiest thing for a kid mentally and physically is to play a sport for the season that that sport is on, and then when it's the off-season, go play a different sport, do something else, get into other extracurricular activities, join clubs. That's that's can only benefit you in the future because you never know not too many people get to do what I'm doing. I'm I'm in a very unique situation and very happy that I'm able to do this. So you got to branch out and do other things besides just sports and besides just one sport for sure. So we'll go back to baseball for a sec. In your fourth start with Clearwater, mm -hmm. uh, you were the catcher for a combined no-hitter. Oh, that yes. Correct? <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. What was it like to, one, catch a no-hitter, Two, catch it in your fourth game, and three, catch it from three players with a rain delay in between. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a really awesome situation. We had three amazing pitchers, two of now, two of which I believe are in the big leagues or have played in the big leagues. Drew so. Anderson, Will Morris, and Victor Arano. Mm -hmm, yeah, two of whom are in or who have played in the big leagues. So that, that was really cool. Um, and I take no credit for that at all. <laughs> it, that is not on me. I mean, they go out there and they throw a good game. They've got the stuff that's getting the hitters off balance and stuff. So for me, it's just kind of cool to sit back and let them do their thing and call a game. It, if they're not executing, it's it's not happening a lot of times. So it, it's it's really up to them. So it was really cool to be a part of. How rewarding was that? As, I mean, a no-hitter to, to be the guy behind the plate for that, the oh, celebration? It, it's definitely awesome. So I remember Arano didn't realize we had a no-hitter <laughs> at the end of the game. He was wondering why everyone was screaming and shouting. <laughs> so that was the funniest part for me is being a part of that. But um, it's always a team effort. There's always some amazing play in the field that gets them through that. And the fact that they're able to do that is just amazing to me. You've now played at Lakewood, Clearwater, you're here at Reading. What has that path been like, and how do you keep perspective on trying to achieve your goal but at the same time celebrating the success you've had so far? Um, it's pretty much you enjoy every single day. you got to take it one day at a time because otherwise it's – going to be a long road especially for a guy like me a senior sign we we move up a little bit slower through the system but um it, it's definitely something you take pitch by pitch day by day you enjoy every second with your teammates because that that's who's going to get you through and if you get good relationships with the coaching staff and with your teammates it's going to be a lot of fun and you just enjoy it this year you're sharing the dish with Davey Grulon mm -hmm. what's it like been what's it been like to share the the catching duties with him and do you have a relationship where you're both sharing notes and 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 helping with the pitchers together definitely yeah. i mean that's what we try to do we have a pitcher and catcher meeting every single day and both of us are in there with the starting pitcher going over the lineup trying to figure out how we want to attack certain guys so it's definitely something it's a team effort because um, he's been getting most of the playing time which he deserves he's playing amazing it, it's been awesome to watch but it's definitely a team effort um, on both ends. But uh, we've come up through the system. I played with him 
think three years now I play with him in Lakewood Clearwater and now here so it's definitely been something we get to know each other over over a while you must have learned what kind of music he likes because I hear he's the uh, locker room DJ <laughs> yes and no <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily but it's been cool to get to know these guys from other countries for sure um, get to know their culture because you kind of get you're, you're not a part of that when you're in America growing up um, where I did and so it's just cool to be able to learn there's a different way to live and it, it's very awesome to get to know them and to get to know what they enjoy all right so then what's your walk-up music my uh I don't know I let the bullpen figure that one out so earlier in the year they were kind of upset they were getting their walk-up music played so I told them to just take over uh, so I, I honestly don't know. They try to make me laugh, though. They try, they try to pick a song that'll make me laugh going up to the plate. So it's a lot of fun. You've had some clutch hits this year. What's it like? It seems like you relish the pressure. Of course. Um, what's that like to to yeah, be in that? Yeah, back to back game winning home runs. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, a good weekend. Mm -hmm. But what's it like to be in that moment uh, where you you aren't pushed down by the pressure but really you seem to thrive in it yeah well it's definitely you get both sides of it because I've been in other situations where the pressure might have gotten to me a little bit and you try to do a little too much in a situation but I was very fortunate that weekend to have a good mindset going into it and just walking up to play with a smile on my face because you're never going to get that situation anywhere else so it, it, like just being able to enjoy it guy throwing pretty hard on the mound like when else are you going to get that opportunity to show off what you've got against the best? So it, it was really cool for me, and I try to go in with that attitude. It doesn't happen all the time. It's definitely hard to take it day by day, but it's something that I think as a team we're working on and I'm working on personally too. Being at Penn, I saw you went uh, to some games as a Phillies fan mm -hmm. in the stands. Mm -hmm. What would it mean to you, and can you see yourself? Do you let yourself dream a little bit? <laughs> what it would it be like to wear that uniform on the field, go from the stands the field yeah of course it would be the dream come true and it would be really awesome to do it with Philadelphia because they're a great organization they're doing really well this year it's great to see um, but yeah at, when I was at Penn we would go to a couple games here and there and I actually got to play on Citizens Bank Park my freshman year we were in the big five tournament and we got to the the final game so that, that was a really cool experience and just being able to see those guys and how they go about their business when I was in college to now getting to know a lot of the guys who are in the big leagues, it, it kind of makes it a little bit like <clears throat> a little bit closer to coming true in a way. So it's really cool. And that would be very awesome for me. What, the year that you played at Citizen Bank Park, was that when you were the big five player of the year? Uh, I don't know. No? I really don't know. <laughs> I, that was my, that was my freshman year. I no, I don't remember too much. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, so, um, We've interviewed actually other University of Pennsylvania baseball players. Oh, have you? Uh, yeah, Doug, Doug Glanville. Yeah, yeah, of course. So has Doug come to your games and come to your field and give you a little tip? I've actually not met him no? before, so I would – yeah, no, that would be awesome. <laughs> I, I would really love to get to know him a little bit. I know he's done great things in baseball and now in broadcasting, so it's been – really cool to see that happen from the University of Pennsylvania it makes it um, like you said like I said earlier a little bit closer to a dream come true so other than baseball what, with the University of Pennsylvania what was your major what what do you see as your your second act after <laughs> your major league career well I was an economics major so okay. uh, I was more on the business side of things and I think 
the way my career is lining up right now, doing something still in baseball would be pretty awesome. I would really enjoy that because I love the game, love being around it. Um, right now, I can't imagine doing anything else other than playing, but you never know what's going to happen. So I'm very, very lucky to have the background that I do to have a, a, in a future where um, everything's going to be great and hopefully still play and be in the game of baseball. Well, we hope you get to wait a little while to start that part <laughs> of your career and keep moving up in the system. And thank you so much for the time today. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. You have a great one. Thank you. So we're here with Adam Hazley. Adam, how you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. So, so tell us what tell us what your draft experience was like. Um, it was special. I, I went home uh, a couple days before it happened, and uh, had some some friends and family come over, and some coaches from my high school, and some uh, family friends came over. So it was it was a special moment. Just kind of um, pretty surreal, and something that you kind of dream about from time you were little so it was it was pretty special something i'll remember for a long time did you did you come to philadelphia pretty quickly um i believe it was like three or four days and then uh they had a, a home series so i came up and did the physical and then uh took bp and watched a couple games so that was pretty cool too was there anybody that as you're getting on the plane or driving up here that that you said i want to meet this guy um you know not really because honestly i wasn't a huge, like, you know, Phillies fan growing up. I wasn't really a fan of anyone. Being from Orlando, didn't really have a team. Um, but then, you know, kind of getting there and then guys would come up to you and, and introduce themselves and you're like, holy cow, you know. <laughs> you know, these are big leaguers, some guys that um, I admire and respect. So, yeah, it was definitely cool getting to be in that clubhouse and meet those guys. Did anybody take batting practice with you? Um, you know, I think it was uh, – I think Kendrick was taking BP in that group. Um I can't really remember a lot of what was going on. It was kind of going pretty fast during it all. So short, So after you go to Philadelphia, have your physical, meet with the team, you go down to Florida, right? Mm -hmm. So what was that experience like going from a college atmosphere to a professional baseball atmosphere? Yeah, I flew home on a Thursday from Philly, and then I was going to report in Clearwater on Friday morning. So um, it was kind of like, well, here we go, here it is, It's it's the next morning, and uh, driving up to the complex and you know not knowing much about pro ball in itself it's, it was definitely a foreign uh, kind of atmosphere and, and meeting all new people but um, you know I felt like they welcomed me in pretty well and uh, started to feel comfortable pretty quick. What was it like getting into that routine was the routine any different from the professional baseball aspect as it was to the college aspect other than the fact you don't have to go to class? Yeah just the just the everyday kind of grind of it um, especially when I went up to Williamsport, I think that was the first time professional baseball kind of like you know settled in and kind of kind of hit me that every day is a game and um, you got to start taking care of your body and getting rest and you know in college you have three games and then you have two days off so uh, Williamsport was definitely the wake up call of starting to learn how to do professional baseball. You mentioned Williamsport. Jeff was actually there a few weeks ago, and when he interviewed Pat Borders, he talked about what it was like to play on the Olympic team and play for his country. Uh, you played on a few teams that were playing for your country, and you won a championship on the under-18 team. What was that like to wear your country's name on the front and, and play for America? Yeah, I was actually um, I was 
I was blessed to have two opportunities, one in my senior year of high school and then one I was uh, going to be a freshman in high school. And uh, the senior year one was when we actually won it in Taiwan. And, um, and I mean, just getting to wear, you know, the country across your chest and, and kind of being the only ones in that in that foreign place. And, um, you know, it's a lot of a lot of pride and uh, just a, a really cool opportunity that, you know, hopefully one day that maybe I'll have a chance to do it again, but it was something I'll remember for a long time. How does playing in such a pressure atmosphere at such a young age help prepare you as you now take these next steps in your baseball career? Yeah, it's it was definitely a, a big stage for um, for high school. and um, You know, I don't know. You just kind of have to go through it to, to experience it. And um, You know, we were fortunate enough we had a pretty good team and um, ended up doing well in the tournament, but just kind of being on that stage and, you know, when no one really in the country is, is rooting for you. Is uh, It kind of grows you up pretty fast. What's it like to live your dream every day? You come to the ballpark. You, you obviously prepare as a player. Mm-hmm. But this is something that you've wanted for a really long time. You're obviously still chasing the ultimate destination of making it to the big leagues. But you're at the ballpark today, right, to play a game if the rain stops. What's that feel like to know that you're moving along that path? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a job. Some days you're... Some days you're feeling it, and some days, you know, it's like anything else where you just kind of have to grind through it. Um, but, you know, there's there's nothing else that I'd rather be doing, and uh, I just feel, you know, extremely blessed for the opportunity that was given to me. When you were at the University of Virginia, you weren't just a hitter and fielder. You were also a pitcher. What's it been like for you to make the decision to just focus on hitting and fielding and kind of give up pitching? From a body standpoint, it, it's – it's much nicer that um, I'm not, you know, dead tired after the day after I throw, or arms not sore all the time. Um, and then from a, you know, a lifting perspective, you can do a lot more upper body stuff. Um, and then just, you know, focus on hitting is, is a lot more fun. Um, you know, sometimes on the days that I would throw, the hitting would come secondary, and uh, now it's just it's the one thing that I can focus on. Do you miss it at all? Um, I miss I miss being you know in the game you know all the all the other stuff um, was was taxing and it would take time but if anything just kind of being in the game and on the mound yeah sometimes so we we had a, a doubleheader here yesterday it's, it's raining right now on Saturday if they don't play you might have a doubleheader tomorrow yeah does it at all cross your mind to go to to coach like and say hey coach uh, I could throw an inning here yeah I could throw I don't know how, how well I do uh, or how sore I'd be the next day um, yeah I don't know I don't know if if, uh, if those days will ever happen again but um, they were fun while, while I was doing them in college yeah. you you and uh, we, we, we talked to Austin Listy before and we talked to Derek Hall last time we were here have all gotten to kind of play at the same level uh, a little bit, um, and they preceded you here by mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. Had, did they? Did it help to have people you played with kind of come up and then get you acclimated to the next step? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I've been following Listy ever since we both started pro ball. He would, he would always move before me. So, um, yeah, I mean, every time that that I have moved, uh, he's been there, and it's it's nice to at least know one person. Um, but. You know, I mean, most of the guys you you meet in spring training, and then you get here, and um, you know, it's it's a little different for the first couple of days, but then you know, you start to get comfortable with them. You shared a house with those guys down in Clearwater. Mm-hmm. Are you sharing a house up here in Reading? 
We're sharing a house with Listy. Yeah, and Siebold. Um, yeah, we, we had the same, uh, pretty much the same roommates in Clearwater as we do here. So on a day like this, if it rains, what do you guys get to do? Uh, we'll probably go back and um, I got a rental car, so we'll probably go somewhere to eat. We might, I don't know, might treat ourselves if, if uh, we get out of here early. But uh, most of the days it's, it's late enough that we'll just get some Taco Bell or something like that on the way home. When you now get Taco Bell, it's an advertiser. Get a big plug for <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, your manager, Greg, like recently said that this is where you belong at this point in your career, and you, you seem comfortable here and that you've adapted well. Can you talk about what it's been like to come to this level and any changes you've had to make or whether you've just been able to continue what you were doing and that's working for you? Yeah, um, I think Clearwater definitely prepared me for this just from a uh, – just from guys throwing, you know, secondary stuff for strikes, and um, especially here, they can throw it in, you know, pretty much any count that they want to. Um, so from a hitting standpoint, that's been that's been really helpful, and um, it's definitely it's definitely tougher here because you know the, the crowds are bigger and uh, the guys hit the ball harder, and um, you know every park's a little bit different, but um, it's still it's still very much a challenge uh, coming here for sure. Have you gotten around the Reading area? A little bit. Yeah. We actually went to the uh, whatever you want to call it, the Amish market or uh, whatever you want to call it. But we went this morning, so we got a little breakfast there. Um, but we're trying to. Trying do you do any hunting it. or fishing? Uh, do some fishing. Mm -hmm. I left uh, all my poles down in Florida. Oh. So I'm not sure that um, in the end of this season that I'll get to it, but hopefully next year. So w once, the, once the off season comes, what will you be doing? Um, you know, last year I, I pretty much took off until Instruct started, which was in the middle of October. Um, I would imagine, I, don't, I actually don't know what they want me to do, but I would imagine for September at least I would take off um, from pretty much everything and then just start early October for lifting and um, maybe it's tea work or something like that. But Now, now last year you were in college mm -hmm. and then you go straight to Clearwater and you play some games down there. What What is it like now for this first full season that you're having to play potentially 140 games? Yeah. Is it, has it taken a tax on your body, or if, as, have you adjusted to it already? Yeah, they have a, a board out there that um, has, like, a record on it, and I was added up, and I think we're two away from 100 right now. So um, it just feels like we've been playing since, you know, forever ago. And uh, I don't know how many months it's been now, but – uh, your body gets used to it. Your mind gets to, used to it. It just feels like normal that you wake up and you, know, you got a game later today. So um, definitely last year it was different, just waking up and knowing that uh, you got to go to the park, you got to play a game, you got all this new stuff. But now it's it's a little more uh, comfortable. So what's your walk-up music? A walk-up music is a uh, song by 10th Avenue North. It's a Christian song. Um, I had it in Clearwater too, so... You know, it's the music that I like to listen to, so I thought I'd put on my walk-up song. And, and how did you decide on what number you wanted here? Um, he sent me the list, and it was like 37, 38, 40, and something else. And I was like, I'll just take, like, you know, an even number, 40. So If you, if you had your choice on a number, what would it be? I was 7 in college. Uh, I, was in, I was 17 in Clearwater because of a, a Bible verse that I like. So maybe, maybe 17 now. Okay. We wish you the best of luck with everything, and thank you so much for the time. Look forward to see you continuing to move up 
in the in the system. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a great one. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. here at Reading with Connor Siebold. How you doing today? Not too bad. Little uh, little rainy afternoon? Yeah, beautiful day for baseball. <laughs> Do you think you're going to get out there today? Uh, judging by the forecast, I'd say no, but you never really know. <laughs> you had a different path. You were drafted in 2014 by the Orioles, um, but you decided to go to college instead. Can you talk about why you didn't go to the pros at that point? Well, I mean, a big part of it was uh, – the Orioles were really good at that time, and they had zero pool money. <laughs> so I got taken in the 19th round, and I think at that point I would have been, as even as a high schooler, been signing for basically nothing. So it was kind of just like a no-brainer. Plus, like, Cal State Fullerton was my dream school. Like, I wanted to go there ever since 2004 when they won it. And, like, both my parents went there. Not for baseball, not for sports, but just they, they went there. But um, it was it was kind of just a no-brainer. And uh, honestly, it ended up being the right choice because I think if I would have gone out of high school, I think I'd probably be done with baseball by now. What was it like to get to play for the team that you watched growing up and then play in the College World Series for them? Oh, it was awesome. Like, uh, the, the, the stadium in Omaha is just unreal. It, it feels like it's a pro stadium. It's It's crazy. Can you talk a little bit about what the pressure is like in that situation? I always wonder whether athletes that compete on those stages at a younger level get better prepared for when they take the steps into the pro level. Um, well, I mean, you really can't think about it. Like, it's hard not to think about it when you're there on the field and you have, like, 30,000 people watching you um, and you're on TV and all that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's you and the catcher. You're just – throwing baseballs at a catcher and do you think about that that, that you're on tv i mean does as as, <laughs> some, as somebody i mean cal state fullerton is a high profile program yeah uh, and and so i assume they televised maybe on a college network some games here or there no they no? don't they don't like west coast teams at no? all so they they only broadcast sec acc okay so so, 12. so now so now you get to omaha <laughs> And you know when you when you're getting ready to pitch, I know you're supposed to put it out of your mind. Yeah. But does was there come a time where you're sitting there and saying, "Hey, I'm on TV, and everybody in America could be watching this." I mean, like, 
it, it, that usually hit me when I was in the dugout, like between innings or like before a game or even like after a game, like I'm on TV. Like a lot of people are watching me do <laughs> at, like whatever I'm doing at this, at this time. But like, I mean, like when you get out there and you're on the mound and it's just you out there, like it, you kind of just zone in and I mean, I mean, you, you can like focus on being on TV, and that's really when you start running in, into trouble. So, <laughs> so Cal State Fullerton seems to be the Phillies West Coast affiliate now. Yeah, seems like it. Well, <laughs> you got have you gotten to play with Tom Eshelman and and Colton? Yeah, uh, Eshelman, I was there my freshman year. That was his last year there. It's probably the best college pitcher I've ever seen. Um, didn't I, walk anybody, did he? No, like. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was crazy. Like, anytime, like, I think he walked, like, 10 guys that whole season in, like, the 160 innings he pitched. And, like, every time, like, if a walk happened, it would just, there would just be, like, silence in the dugout. Like, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, he's a good guy. Uh, Colton, good kid. I got to play with him for two years. He's got really good stuff. Um not the same command, but his stuff is just nasty. Really good curveball, really good changeup, and he can he can get it up like his fastball. I think like low nineties. So so now that you're you're all at different levels, but you're in the same organization. Mm -hmm. Do you, and you you were drafted in different years. So does so does Eshelman give you some tips, and then you pass them along to Colton? Um, kind of. I mean, we're we're the three of us are pretty different pitchers. Like, like we, we have stuff that's similar about us, but for the most part, we're pretty, like, different in the way we, we handle things and the way we obviously pitch and all that. So, um, I mean, there's, like, mental stuff you can, you can pass on and, like, little, like, tips about, like, oh, at this level, this is going to get harder. At this level, this is going to get harder. But, like, for the most part, it's, it's – I mean, I got to talk to Esh in a, a little bit during the off season, and that was probably the last time like he and I really talked baseball. Uh, so. no, did he, did he give you any tips on like how to get on the coach's good side or stay off his bad <laughs> side? <laughs> um, I mean, I've never really had a problem with that, <laughs> but uh, but I mean, I'm sure if something if something uh, needed to be said, he would have said it. So. Yeah. We recently saw that you had tweeted about the sports psychologist at uh, Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he passed away. Mm -hmm. Was he a big part of the program that you had? Oh, yeah. I mean, he he and Fullerton were, like, he worked with Fullerton for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I kind of I got in there, like, towards the end of when he started to – or when he was working with us. Like, I think I – we met with him, like, twice my freshman year, and then he, he retired from sports psychology. Oh, retired, and then he went and worked with the Cubs in the World Series. But, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> That's yeah, the I kind mean, of retirement you want to have. Yeah, that's yeah. not too bad. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I mean, I didn't really get to, like, get to know him super well, but the, the impact he had on Fullerton's program is just – it's, it's going to stay there for a while, like – Every every pitching coach, every coach that we got that goes through there 
passes on this knowledge to all the players and like like anything from breathing uh mindset approach uh having a plan when you're pitching like all that stuff it all comes from ken and what he did so so you're the you're the third person i think that's mentioned to this in the last couple of weeks about breathing mm -hmm. so what what is it that, that they teach you about breathing as far as pitching because i don't think most people really think about these kind of things when they think about a pitcher getting on the mound it's like breathing uh for for baseball players it just slows everything down um like as a pitcher like let's say i mean i i, I take a like big breath before every pitch and it kind of lets me just zone in and pinpoint what i want to do and everything just kind of like like i said earlier it, it makes me focus on just me and the catcher um but like if something happens behind you that you can't control like let's say an error or like a bad call like you take a big breath just flush it out just like make yourself get to the next pitch what's it like when you're in that zone when you can focus and it's just you and the catcher and you can block out everything else around you and the pitches you want to make are, are in the spots you want to hit yeah it's a good feeling uh still trying to do that up here but <laughs> <laughs> um when when you're in the zone and you're you're cruising and you you got your breath going you're just locked in it's a good feeling because it, it feels like you could throw anything at any time and you're gonna get have success and uh, like that's obviously the ideal for a pitcher and like that's it's what you want and it's it's not easy but when it happens it it's good after you were drafted did you go to philadelphia before you went to clearwater yeah no, I, I was there for a couple of days got to see uh, a little bit of the city got to see um how good the cheesesteak was it's good <laughs> what what was that experience you you can ask him which right. where he's going to get pa the cheesesteak. pats or genos I didn't get to I didn't get to get, go to either oh. one of those places. So we're gonna have to bring back cheesesteaks when we come next time. We'll we'll Maybe. we'll work <laughs> on that. What was it like to to be with the Phillies in Philadelphia with the the pro team? Obviously, that's where you want to get at that time. Yeah. Eyes wide open, just taking it all in. Well, I mean, I think I I went there to sign when they were on the road, so I didn't get to see a game or get to meet anybody. But I mean, seeing the stadium for the first time and uh, seeing like how like how just awesome it is just it's such a cool stadium such a cool setup um it was it was a really neat experience and obviously signing my contract there and everything was one of the best days of my life so and what was it like you then go to Clearwater now you're a professional in the minor leagues you're not going to class anymore yeah. this is your job what how different was that an experience yeah you're oh yeah you're pretty excited there when we said you didn't have class, but what, what's it like when all of a sudden you realize that this is your job every day now? Um, it was it was weird at first. It didn't really sink in that like this is a profession, because I mean you get to Clearwater and that's it's the GCL and it's like it's kind of a grind because you're still getting up at 6 a.m. to to get to the field and it's you take shuttles everywhere. Um, you ha you have to uh, learn to interact with the, your Latin teammates, which is kind of that's something that really is just it's it's different but i mean you get to know some of these guys and they're they're awesome like so like some of the latin guys that are on our team are just like the best guys ever and what's the experience been like coming up now to double a from single a ball and and the adjustments you've had to make here um turns out the hitters are pretty good um <laughs> 
I don't know. Um, Double A so far hasn't been too kind to me. I'm still trying to figure a lot of stuff out. Um, I, I feel like I just figured out how to pitch to guys in high A, and I think like three starts after that, I get called up, and uh, it's been different. It's been it's been hard so far, but I mean, uh, I just got to keep plugging away and just keep making adjustments, and at some point, it'll click. So, so how does somebody like we just interviewed uh, Coach Shrank, mm -hmm. and, and how has he helped you? Kind of get ready for the adjustments that are going to be coming because it's going to happen at every level. You're going to yeah. you're going to you're going to go through this. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, he's just an easy guy to talk to. Like he's he's really like positive. He's he's not going to be the guy to like get on your case unless he really has to. Um, but like he's he's been really helpful because he knows how to have success up here. He knows what it takes to to get guys out and to like be able to perform at your best up here and um i mean so far like i've had some mechanical tweaks that he's seen that i mean i trust that he's doing what's best for me and i mean that's all i can do is just is just trust that that's going to work out in the end and i think it will and uh but i mean he's been really uh, really good about it i mean he he hasn't been telling me like you have to do this i, I he's just been giving me like suggestions and so far, I mean, I, I feel like it's it's helped me out. Well, I, I assume when it, when a coach gives you know, when a coach is giving you advice, you still have to be comfortable with it. Yeah. It, oh no. Forcing something down your throat's just as, not going to work. As a professional, like unless they give you like an old ultimatum, like do this or you're cut or something. Like as a professional, like you you have free reign to do whatever you want. It's your career, but you also have to know like what what's good for you, like what's going to help me be better. And um, I think what Shrink does is he, he gives you that option and, like, he knows what, you're, what you want to do. And, um, I mean, in my opinion, if, if he's telling me to do one thing, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it because he's had, he knows what it takes. So. All right. Well, on a day like this, before you got out here, we saw the curve playing soccer. Um, really? do, do you guys have a soccer team that you can go out there and kick their butts? Um, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, How about hacky sack? Yeah, hacky sack. That's that's yeah. the, the sport of choice here. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't I don't know about soccer, especially in the rain. I'm not a big soccer guy, so I I could honestly care less about soccer. So so what do you do? You got four, you got four days between starts. Obviously, you have working out, and you still come to the field and and do your routine. Mm -hmm. What do you do around here to to blow off steam? Um, we got, uh, we got Mario Kart in the, uh, in the locker room. We got, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, pull out Super Smash Bros. Um, we just got, we got video games. We got, uh, we have music in there. I mean, it's just, we'll, we'll find ways. Obviously, like you said, Hacky Sack. By the way, are, are you allowed to touch the music? Because I oh, hear, okay. I, I hear that there's a, there's a locker room DJ, which is Davey. Davy? Yeah. I don't know about that. No? Well, actually, no, I scratched <laughs> that because uh, whenever we walk in and there's Spanish music playing, that's probably him. Okay. Um, but Who else Who else is the locker room DJ? Um, Jeff Singer's pretty good about it. Yeah. Uh, I guess Gilbert, before he went up to AAA, was the, the main DJ. Okay. Um, I've gone on there a couple times. 
played played uh, some of my stuff, but I mean, I'm that's that's rare. <laughs> it's just because the uh, stereo's right above my locker, so <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of just falls into my lap sometimes. All right, so when you walk into a game to to start a game, what music do you have them play for you? I usually just go with whatever. Yeah. Um, if I had to pick, yep, it'd probably be pick. like something '90s alternative. Yeah. Or, uh, Give us a song. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, no. There's a bunch of songs I'd. I'd I assume I mean, it won't be what's playing in the background now at the stadium. Hey, I'll take that. You'll I'm take. Not, you'll take picking. Wham. I'm not picking. Okay. I, I'll, I'll do some Wham. From, okay. From now, every now and again. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, Come yeah, on, you get the I'm big blan- one. I'm blanking you, on my 90s you, alternative you, right you, now. You're, mm-hmm. in, a, in a year or two, you're going to be coming. Picture yourself coming into Citizens Bank Park, first start, mm-hmm. and, and they say, "And they say, hey, what do you want us to play?" See, I got a couple songs lined up. Yeah, they don't really play ours here, but uh, but like I, I have like a whole playlist on my iTunes, like yeah. set up for when I do. Like, is it going to be a secret? You want us to wait until we get until you get there? Yeah, my, All right. why not? All right. <laughs> I think he just wants us to stop asking because he can't think of what he wants. <laughs> we do wish you the best of luck with everything and hope you keep advancing in the system. And thank you so much for the time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. We are here at Reading with head groundskeeper and man of many titles, Dan Dirt Douglas. How are you doing today, Dirt? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for the time. When we, we visited Reading last time, we, we heard about all you do to keep the field in shape. And we were like, oh, you know, we, we'd like to talk to him. I understand that this has been like a longtime passion. You, you went to Penn State for forestry. And there's a story about how you changed from forestry to getting into grass and turf. How did that happen? Right, right. That, was a, that was many years ago. I had forgotten about that. Uh, actually, I was at Penn State, and um, one of the classes I had uh, in agriculture took us into Beaver Stadium. And I walked out on the field, and I said, this is really, really cool. I didn't realize that uh, people did uh, took care of grass for a living. And I started uh, pursuing it more and then end up uh, with a degree in agronomy from Penn State with a with emphasis on turf grass management. So 30 some years later, here I am. So when you were at Penn State and transferred to that major, how many people are in the major with you? Uh, we, we had um, six people graduate with a degree in agronomy the year that, that I graduated. I was the only one with an emphasis in, uh, on turf grass. So big, big, big university of one guy. <laughs> do you guys all stick, keep in touch? Uh, we do a little bit, actually. One of the one of the uh, one of my classmates works here uh, as a as a security guy. So uh, it's funny, it kind of came full circle there. So you're from this area originally, right? I am from York, PA. Okay, just so, down the road. So is this something that that you knew you wanted to come back to your hometown or home area? And, and, it, and do this? Yeah. yeah, it really didn't work out that way. Yeah. I, I, I took a job out of school at George uh, in Fairfax, Virginia, and ended up working at George Mason University as kind of the for, first one of the first ever sports surf managers that worked for the athletic department and answered to an AD and then maintained their fields down there for, well, I was down there about five years. And one of the professors called me from Penn State and said, there's Reading's looking for a full-time groundskeeper, which is fairly new back then. I took over for the city used to maintain a facility, and that's kind of how it was 30 years ago. 
uh, you know, it was kind of a janitor with a rake. And 30-some years ago, we started the kind of making it a specialty that it is today. So how many people do you have working for you now? Uh, on a given day, I don't have an assistant. I uh, currently have two interns. And then on game day staff, ideally, it's me and five others. Uh, you know, it's go to Philadelphia and look down there and see 30 ants crawling around getting getting the work done. Uh, we do it with four or five uh, efficient, efficiently. Are they all humans? They all, yeah, they, they are very, very human. Uh, and a lot of human feelings and uh, human discussions late, well, late in the nine inning game. Well, well, the reason I asked the question is because last time we were here, we happened to see that you had an assistant that was running around on four legs. Yes, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm taking an <laughs> afternoon break from Penny today. Uh, yeah, she was uh, – uh, I had gotten – we lost our dog after 14 years last year at some point, and then uh, I decided the next dog I get would have more of a life than the other one. They would just kind of hug out the house and hated people and hated other dogs. And <laughs> so we got this rescue dog, uh, Penny, that I wanted to bring out to the stadium all the time, and – I didn't know she came with separation anxiety, and it's tough to uh, keep her anywhere alone. But uh, but she's been great. She's she's a year. This is her second season now. She's adapted to it. She's used to people. And she's great with people, and actually blows people off a lot. She doesn't. You know, everyone's calling her, and she just ignores them, which is actually a good thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's uh, she has the afternoon off today uh, because of the rain, but she'll be back in. So here. so take us through a day in your life. Well, what, 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 what time do you have to be here? What do you have to do to get the fields ready? I mean, look, I look out on the field right now, and besides the rain that's coming down, I see a lawn that most people would kill for. Right. And, 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 and that I assume that doesn't come easily. I, no, it doesn't come easy, and uh, it, it, it certainly doesn't look like this at my house either. <laughs> this, this is my yard. Uh, that stuff at the house is just uh, – I try to bring my neighbors down to my level is what I try to do. In the middle of a seven-game homestand, it, it doesn't get cut, so uh, it, it grows a little bit. But but what we do here, um, you know, and we're trying to do a couple different things. You know, and our number one job is to make the field safe. You know, we, we need to – these athletes need to be able to come out here and play at their highest level and not have to worry about hitting something, stepping in something, you know, bad hop, any of that kind of stuff. So – we're trying to make it safe. We're trying to make it, uh, you know, another big thing is playable. As we sit here in the rain, you know, it's my job to make sure that the, sh the show doesn't go on unless the stage is ready. So, you know, we're, we're waiting to make this thing as playable as we can and hopefully in a few hours we can. And then the, the last thing is make it look good, you know, that's aesthetically pleasing. So that's way down the list. And all that kind of starts the night after a game, you know, the, the we're on the field almost an hour after the game, my crew and I, you know, fixing the mound, fixing home plate, smoothing out the infield, uh, adding water if we need to, taking water off if we need to, that kind of stuff. So so it all starts after the game. And then uh, the, the next morning, um, I'm usually in around 7, 7.30, um, after walking off the field 11 or midnight. Uh, and then it's, it's, it's a lot of my job is moisture control. We adding water, irrigating the grass. We taking water, you know, trying to dry something out, trying to maintain a certain level of moisture in the infield dirt, and that that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, the job is you know an art and a science, and none of that came easy. That was a lot of trial and error over 30 years. But um, you know, 
I'm here early doing that. I have uh, interns might show up around nine or ten o'clock in the morning, and they're spending an hour or two fixing the bullpen mounds or prepping them and, and cleaning dugouts and prepping visitors' batting tunnel and that kind of stuff. So on a day like today when it's rainy, do you uh, question the meteorologists and what, no, the, what they're doing funny, out there? What's funny is over the years I got pretty good feel for the weather. Um, and now with the modern technology and the, and the and the smartphones, everyone knows what the weather is going to be. They they all have their own opinion. And it's a, <laughs> Everybody's they, got a weather app, right? Everyone has a weather app, which of course is computer generated, and and who knows? We we, we do have uh, a weather service that we we employ uh, a real person. That, you know, I can, I can call and find out their better chance of uh, you know what what they think it's going to happen. So you know, this thing there's. I, I can remember numerous flood watches over the years that we still played baseball. Uh, you know, it really depends what's happening at 6:30 tonight. You know, it can it can rain all at once right now, but it depends what game time, what the weather's going to be like. If there's a window, there's a window, and we play. Now, you know, it's flood watches, and nobody will be at the game, but we might get the game in. But uh, that, that that's kind of a, a hard part right now. Everything I do on a daily basis, just the weather is in complete control, and I just adjust when the weather is good and everybody can play what's the worst thing that a player can do on the field <laughs> for the you <laughs> yeah the worst thing it can do is, is get hurt you know? <laughs> well uh but uh, other than that uh, you know baseball is designed great that you know what all but the outfielders are standing on the dirt so uh you know that's that's what we work on that's where we spend 80 percent of our time is the infield and the infield dirt so that if we keep that smooth and and the other three guys are staying in the outfield, so that's that's not that hard. Did you ever have any players that were like messing with the field, who like to like kick holes or build holes in the outfield or anything like that? Uh, nah, nah. So that you know, we. What's funny is when we have when we move an infielder to the outfield, they like to stand out there and dig around. If you watch an infield, you see him always <laughs> playing with his cleats and trying to smooth the dirt over. They try to do the same thing in the grass. I remember we had a, a guy named Bar. Uh, I think his last name was Barker. We called Barker's box in the outfield because he moved from from first base to the right field and just dug it up. You know, just always he couldn't stand still and he's scratching around. So, so it happens a little bit, but not. not Do you ever often. talk to the players and say anything? Nah, it's it's you know, it, it, these guys are out here for long hours and and uh, they get they cause some damage here and there. But I th- I just consider it job security. I understand that you're a golfer as well at times, attempting. Uh, I, I yeah, I, I I used to play a lot more golf than I do with this job, but uh, so I used I to try. I used to work on the grounds crew at a golf course. Okay. I can imagine that you look at the grass very differently when you're out playing golf than the average person does. Well, it's true. I have I have a lot of friends who are superintendents, and and it's it's to the point where like we try not to play their course <laughs> because uh, you don't want to <laughs> critique their uh, course. No, it, it, it's tough that way because. Uh, and I know I know the struggles I've been going through too, so it, it probably makes it a little easier. Well, Dan, we really appreciate you uh, joining us for a few minutes and telling us about your day. Before you go, though, right now it's raining a lot. So, how long the tarps on the field? How long does it before a game starts? Do you need to have to get the field ready if it stops raining? Um. Probably by the time the tarp's rolled up, we can be lined and ready to go. So uh, we just try to get the tarp out uh, ahead of 
the game and dump it as soon as we can so that water has time to soak in. But uh, the actual prep for the infield is half hour or less. I actually do have one more question for you. Okay. So when I'm watching a game, if I get here early, I see you guys, your guys putting down the lines, and then the first batter comes up to the plate and starts kicking the line out. Sure. Does that at all drive you as nuts as uh, it drives you me? Know, it, it used to, but not anymore. <laughs> you know, we we actually, if you if you come here, we don't have the lines for the coach or the catcher's box, and we don't have full batter's boxes just because over the years I've learned what's important and what's not important, and the, the catchers don't want to chalk the kick up in their face and all that kind of stuff. So. So again, it's I use job security, and that's what it is. You know, it, it's it's like it's kind of like you make your bed. You know, <laughs> you make your bed, but you know you're gonna get in the next day. You know? Right. We fix this, but we know it's gonna be destroyed in a few minutes. So it's the same thing. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Dan. I do appreciate the we uh, appreciate the opportunity. it as well. Thanks for joining us. Sure.